we started a series a couple weeks ago called The Greatest. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you. And before we do anything, can we just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to be with us and to help us to have ears to hear what he wants to speak to us? Because it's not about a story. Let me just say, I'm a lot different preacher than Zach. Zach is my son, but he is really, he leans more towards like his mother. Okay, very teaching, very on task. I'm all over the map. I'm your ADD, HD child. I'm, I'm serious. I'm just all over the map. But let, let me just say, we're, it's kind of like we're going on the travel channel, but we're going to end up somewhere. Amen? So do y'all have to bear witness with me. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you, Father, that you're here today, that you love every person here in this room. And God, the reason they're here today is because, number one, you drew them, or they felt, God, a drawing to be a part of this this spiritual family. And I thank you, God, for those that are here that are visitors today. I pray that you would just thank you for your word that's so, it's so alive. It's in the Bible that the truth sets us free. And Father, this morning, I pray for freedom. I pray, God, that you would bring freedom. You would bring healing. You would bring, uh, God, people where they would come to the point where they would just literally be set free by your word and the truths that are in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. What we do in Jenny's, we just say, I believe. I believe. All right? And so this morning, in, uh, this morning we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 22. But in your notes, it says verse 37. But you can't answer verse 37 through 39 unless you first go to verse 36. And it says this in verse, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In Matthew verse 37, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first command. Now look, look to me. What Jesus was doing was actually, he was speaking to people that knew the law, that understood, that knew the words that were written in the law. And what happened is when they asked the question, he was referring to an Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And I just want to read it to you because it just it's not in your notes, but that's okay. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And it says, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And so, see, you know, in order for us, God must be, how I many you know, if we're going to be Christ-centered, God's got to be at the very center of our heart. That when you gave your life to Jesus, basically what you said is like, no longer do I sit on the throne of this heart, but God, I, I dethrone myself and I ask you to be supreme king over my heart, over my mind, over my will, over my actions, over my desires. And what he's saying is, and he says this, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk to them, and that means daughters too, and, and talk to them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and then you shall put them on the fortals of, of, your, of your forehead and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, let me just say this. What he's saying is that what he was sharing with them was everything that everybody understood what he was saying. Because every Jewish child was raised to say, hey, let me, first thing you need to know, you need to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You see, the Jews knew this. And the Orthodox Jews, what they would do is they would write, they would write that scripture or that, 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 that phrase and they would have a mezuzah. 
And if you know what that is, it's like they would have it on the side of their doorpost, and it went literally like a little box. If you go to some portions of the country, people that are, have, that are in the Jewish faith will have a mezuzah on the side of their door. And I know that some Christians took on that tradition, I'm going to put one by my door. And it, it states that, you know what, you know, that... We're gonna, at this house, we're going to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, the problem with America is we don't tell our children anymore. How can we, if you kick God out of the house, who's there to help in the house? And so he's saying, before you come in, and then the Jews, Orthodox Jews would also, they would do, they have these leather pouches, and they would put them on the forehead, and it would be the same words, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And it was to represent, this is to remember, to set in my mind that I'm going to love God. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what was happening, he says that then Jesus goes a little further and he says, and second is like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now see, if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, the first four commands are commands between us and God. Are you with me? Hello, y'all with me? Don't look at me like y'all in the movie theater going, and this, the last six are us relating to one another. Thou shall not steal, shall not covet, shall not commit adultery, shall not lie. You understand? It's, it's us dealing with each other. And that's what he's saying. Love your neighbor yourself. That's a radical command. What does it mean? It means it cuts to the root. And it, it basically what it's saying is that it exposes who we are. Are we really loving people like we love ourselves? That's what he's saying. All sin comes from desire to be happy and cut us off from the glory of God. It cuts off all the good things that we want to do. And see what sin does, let me just tell you sin. Sin is this. Sin is a me first act. Say, say me first. Now, let me give you an example. You'll never forget it. I promise you. Put your thumb out. Look at your thumb. That's you. See you? Okay, you see you? It said that question. It means an I need an answer. Okay, when I... When I preach, sometimes people pull out hanky seats and handkerchiefs and I surrender. Other people just go, yes, preach. can y'all help me preach this morning? Yeah. Okay, I'm a little old school, okay? Old school is still cool. Look at him. And, and so you put that out, that represents you. And if you get your eyes just focus on you, how do you know it's hard to focus on everything else around you? But if you get your eyes off of your thumb and focus out beyond yourself, your thumb, come on. How do you know you're still there? Come on. Your needs may be there, but all of a sudden you're focused not on yourself, but you're focused on everything around you. Thank you for looking like a fool this morning from this <laughs> angle. But you did it. You did. You passed the test. But what happens is, is, that, is another name, and you see, another name for sinfulness is pride. How many of you ever deal with pride? Okay, a few people, okay. The rest of we're praying for you. Pride is thinking we can be happy without God. It's without caring if others find happiness in God. So it's like pride is like. God, and saying, no, God, no, I can do this myself. And who gives a flip about anybody else? Pride is the pursuit of happiness anywhere but in the glory of God and the good of other people. In other words, this is the root of all sin. You see, the, I, let, let me ask you a question. Y'all can ask, how many of you love yourself? Come on, how many of you love you? It's okay. It's okay. You should love yourself. You see, why does Jesus say love your neighbors? Because he knows you love you. You get in the mirror and you kind of want to go, I love you. Man, you're looking good. It don't matter if you were, you know, when you were young, you were right and tight, and now you're dragging and sagging. It don't matter. You still love you. You just love you. You're good. You're the best you you can be. Nobody loves yourself 
yourself. No one loves you. No one cares for you like you care for yourself. No one thinks about you like you think about yourself. You are. The, I mean, you know what? That's what he's saying. He said, I want you to love your neighbor like you think about yourself. You see, you all want, how many of you all want to be happy? How many of you all enjoy food in Cajun country? Come on. Man, I had a desire the other day. I just spoke from the podium. And I said, man, I, want my, I have a lady. Her name's Miss Barbara. And I was preaching last week at Jimmy's. And I said, man, I was talking about her chicken fricassee. And man, it's the best. I mean, it's the bomb. So it was like I just mentioned it and she brought it. And, and she goes, Pastor, even if we got you, you want some fricassee? <laughs> when the Lord lays it on your heart. <laughs> I was fishing, though. I needed some. But anyway. And so, you know, and, and so you, you know, it's like we all need clothes. You want a place to live. You want to protect yourself from violence. It's like, hopefully, I'm painting a pretty good picture. You just love yourself. Come on. Let, let me say, how many, how many, can you do this? Can you all just give yourself a hug this morning? Because you just love yourself. Come on, sweet it up. I just love you. Because we all do. We love ourselves. You see, Self-love is a deep longing to, to diminish pain and increase happiness. How many of you want to be happy? You know what? Miserable people like hanging around miserable people. But you know what I found out? Healed people like to heal people. You see, I, I believe this is that you, you don't have to learn how to love yourself. It comes pretty naturally. And see... The hunger for food is not evil. To be warm is not evil. Here's what Jesus wants you to understand. As you love yourself, he's saying this, so love your neighbor. Just love them. As, as you long for food when you're hungry and you long to, you know, that you long to feed your neighbor. You don't want them to go hungry. As long as you have nice clothes, you want your, 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 your friends to have nice clothes. I heard someone say, charity is like, mama, get all my stuff and, and, and that I don't wear anymore and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to bless somebody with it. And it's, can I just tell you what charity really is? Sometimes, some of those things you bring to people. Like I've had people over the years, been a pastor 15 years, Pastor, I just want to come and bless the church. And they give us junk that they wouldn't even use, that you can't use, and they just want us to take care of their junk. Now, be honest with you. And I'm like, thanks, I'm just a junk collector. But let me tell you what charity is. Can I, I'll give you an example. You'll never forget it. Charity is this. Ladies, when you're going to the dress store and you're going to see this beautiful red dress and you see yourself in it and you see another woman here at church that doesn't have much and then you go, you know what? I'm going to buy that dress and I'm going to give it to her. That's what real charity is. That's what real charity is. Giving someone something that you desire to have for yourself. And you give it. Because I used to have a friend, you couldn't bring him to your library. Because I have old books and out of print books and I have these leather bound books that I read and it's, just, it's good stuff. And like his name was Roosevelt and, and he's a good friend of mine. And he'd come to your church and, or he'd come to your library and he'd go, he'd pull a, sh a book off your shelf and he goes, Man, I like this book. Go, I do too, man. That's a, that's a rare book. He goes, Hey, kiss it. Kiss and go, kiss it goodbye, baby. 
But you know the thing I loved about Rosie? He said, don't want to be with the Lord. He'd have nice shoes, nice suits and stuff. And somebody comment to him and go, man, I like your shoes, Rosie. He said, what size you wear? I wear 11. These are 11s. Here, you can have them. Because you know what he, he felt? You know, he said, I don't want anybody to covet something I have. I want, I want to be a, be, a, be a blessing to others. You kind of get the picture, guys? Because we're going somewhere. We're traveling somewhere. I want you to see it. And so we're going to come to a grand conclusion. But as you want in your life to count, if you want your life to count to be significant, so desire to be significant in loving your neighbor. You see, in other words, make yourself seeking the measure of your self-giving. In other words, as you seek things, realize, you know, I want to give things. See, love your neighbor. Is it? It, it, as a, you know, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a big as. It, it means if you pursue your own happiness, be energetic in pursuing the happiness of your neighbor. That's radical. You know, if you're a hunter like me and stuff, and, and, and it's like, you know, and you go, man, I want those certain shotgun shells that was one and nine sixteenths ounce, that double BB, triple BB, that'll knock the geese from from the heavens and you'll claim the scripture rise, kill, and eat. That's scripture. Takes dominion over the fowl of the earth. I claim that every time I get up and I'm a big time hunter. That's how me and Mr. Mike made each other. On a goose hunt. But see, the thing is, is that for every one of us, it's, it's come to that point where we go, you know what? Love your day. So as you love yourself. That means when I want some shotgun shells and there's someone else, maybe I'll go buy them the shotgun a box of shotgun shells and give it to them. You know, make your own self-seeking the measure of your own self-giving. What does that mean, Pastor? How do you pursue your own well-being? You, you pursue the same way that you pursue your own well-being for your neighbor's well-being. Let me just say this. John Wooden said this. He was the great basketball coach. He said, do not let your, do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Can I say that again? Don't, do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. In other words, quit making excuses. Quit making. Now, this is the very, this is the most, most threatening, over, almost overwhelming. Some of us fear if we really love people like Jesus wants us to, love ourselves and others more, loving our neighbor seems to take on all of our energy, all of our time. The command feels like a threat of loving yourself. So how can we learn to seek our happiness and the happiness of others without losing our mind? What do you mean, Pat? I think this is exactly the threat that Jesus wants us to feel. Because it's, a, it's called the kingdom of self. You know what the kingdom of self is? All of us have it because we've grown up from the very time that we're little. Mama, Indy, mama, 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 daddy, daddy. And you're great, you're awesome. You're, and you know what? You get everything. And then, and then all of a sudden, it's called our king, It's called the kingdom of self. How many of you have lived in the kingdom of self? Well, it's all about you. You can't see past yourself. You know, you got to have, got to have, got to have. Come on, anybody here? I'm in the right church. Okay. Y'all pray for me because I'm preaching myself up here. And we got all these things that we go through and it's all about us. Then God is... Jesus has a plan. He said, in order for me to help them to become charitable, to be what they need to be, I've got to deal 
with, them, with their kingdom. Because it's not about my kingdom, it's about the kingdom of heaven. And I know this, when I allow the kingdom of heaven to invade my heart and my kingdom, I want him to overthrow my kingdom. Because guess what? My kingdom tries to rise up every once in a while. And sometimes I want to be in charge. And I love one of my old teachers, you said, Little Raven, who said, you know what? As much as you want to try to crucify yourself, a man can never crucify himself because he's always got one hammer and one hand. And that's where you have to go, God, have your way in my heart. Do what you want to do with me. I think it's exactly what Jesus, until we realize it's the first command that makes a second command possible. In other words, I've got to learn to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that allows me to love my neighbor. If I, have a, if I don't have a connection to God himself, guess what? I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna see the needs of my neighbor. The only way that I get a, a line into that is like, look, how many you want the power of God living in your life? It, it's like this, if this is a plug, you know, you can't have power in yourself. You've tried to do it before. How many are you talking about? I remember, how many of you remember the first time you had the revelation of electricity? Anybody here? Some of you still have curly hair from me. I remember the first time I was listening to my Walt Disney Daniel Boone 33 and a third album. And one with, you know, Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth. Satisfaction. I remember that was my favorite album when I was like five. And I remember my turntable got unplugged and I went to go. My mom said, never stick your fingers in the socket. I didn't know why. But my mom told me not to. And I remember I had my finger kind of on the little thing right there. And I went to plug it. Oh, dang! <laughs> and see, what for, for all of us, it's like us coming to the same. God, I need you. And all of a sudden, you plug into a popular source. And all of a sudden, you, God begins to give you Jesus contact lenses because you don't see with your own eyes anymore. You begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Someone ought to get excited about the Lord. And, and sometimes, you know, you don't, it's not just a, a, you know, Jesus contact lenses, but sometimes we need God to replace our heartbeat with his heartbeat. And all of a sudden, he puts a Jesus pacemaker in there, and then our eyes don't see like they used to. Our heart doesn't beat like it used to. And all of a sudden, we see the lost in our family and people in a different way. We go, how can I help them? How can I show the love of God? How can I prove that God loves them and cares for them? Amen? Amen. That's what loving your neighbor is all about. Loving your neighbor seems like it'll take all your energy. But can I just tell you something? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. See, the second commandment is the visible expression of the first commandment. It's the visible. It's the visible. In other words, what does God want you to do? Let me give you a word, church. God wants you to get off your blessed assurance and say, Jesus is mine and everything's fine. When God himself was saying, come on, you see that need over there? I put it, I let you see that. I let you feel that so you could do something about it. Before you make, I couldn't hear you, I'm hard of hearing, so anyway. Before you make, that's the truth. Before you make your own self-seeking the measure your self-giving, make God the focus of your self-seeking. You know, it's like the scripture last week. is the deer panted for the water brooks, so my soul 
pants out for you. I mean, God gave me a revelation last week in prayer, and I called Zach and said, Zach, here's a revelation God gave. You need to share this with the church. It's like dogs chasing after the deer. In South Louisiana, we understand what that is. It's a picture of those dogs chasing that deer. It's like, man, I'm looking. I can't find a place. I need rest. I need nourishment. I need, ah! And it's just longing to get a taste, a drip, so it can go on and, and to kind of energize itself. And really, it's David saying, it's a dear parent. He says, my soul, my soul, pants for you. And it's a picture of a stream, and you just fall in it. It goes, I don't know what I need. I don't know what, what I'm here for, but I need you, God. Because it's like my tongue is stuck to the roof of my mouth. It's like I'm, I'm dying of thirst, and you're the living water, and I've come to the well to drink. And God, I need you to drink. And because I can't see the way you want me to see, I can't feel the way you want me to see, but if I drink in those waters, you'll strengthen me to do what you call me to do. How many of you longing? See, it's got to be a longing. It's got to be a thirsty. Can I just say, it's not religion. It's not religion. I stopped with someone here today. You don't know my story, but, you know, I'll just bore you with it a little bit. My mother was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. And they couldn't get together, so we didn't go to church much. Then my dad's mama converted to being a Jehovah Witness. Ah! I mean, you know, all Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses are liars. Anyway, they are. And it's the truth. And then my mom's mama became a born-again charismatic believer. And if you want to blame anybody for me being a preacher, she prayed. She didn't pray that I just become a Christian. She said, God, make him a preacher. So I blame my grandma. And the, third, and the next thing is my mom left my dad here. And the man, he was Catholic. So I always tell people, I didn't read religion. I needed to have my state of confusion. You see, and I, I'm not here to criticize any of those things. I will criticize the witnesses. But anyway, that's where all liars go. Kingdom Hall, Jehovah's Witness. But anyway, this is the point for the first commandment. I could go there, but I'm not. But love your God with all your heart. That means find God, find in God a satisfaction so profound that it fills up all your heart. Love God with all your soul. That means it's so rich, so deep that it fills that aching in the corners of your soul, that thirsting, that longing. Love God with all your mind. That means, you know, it's like the riches of knowledge and insight and wisdom that God has satisfied all your human mind was meant to be. You know, that's why the Bible says, you know, the Bible, David said, I hide God's word in my heart so I won't sin against you. The word, the word of God is our weapon. The word of God. Is stronger than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. It's like a helmet. It's like a shield. I could go on what Ephesians says about the word of God. But it's, listen, when I'm going, when I'm going through, let me tell you, I have a sensational appetite right now because I know that i got to fight. When they put me in that little tube to get my, my uh, MRI to see what's on my spine, the whole time, the whole time, I was quoting scripture or I was praying for the whole time. When they put me on my stomach to get a biopsy on my backbone, I started quoting scripture. I went to, I felt, they put me out and I was quoting scripture. I woke up thinking about scripture. Because can I tell you something? My fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers in high places. And I believe for divine, total healing. Amen? Yeah. Because, yeah. Pastor, 
Pastor Jamie, our, our, our campus pastor in Eunice said, you know what's amazing? He props on me. I don't have a long life. But he, he gave me the headlines, but he gave me all the fine print. You see, this is the point. You see, in other words, take all your self-love and focus it on God until he satisfies your heart, your soul, and your mind. See, the first step of loving God is when I turn to God to satisfy my soul instead of turning to other things that are distracting me away from God. Does that make sense? Yes. How many of you, how many of you got distractions in your life? Yeah, we, I'm a very distracted person. You can ask any of my children. You know, I, I, I'm just one of those. I mean, I, when I was in school, if they didn't have a window that I could look out and look at animals and birds, I would go nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those kind of, when my teacher would be teaching, I'd be drawing pictures or doing stuff. I was, my mind was not there. I was always somewhere else. Anybody can relate to that? Okay. You, they should have had a classroom outside for me. No, I mean, they should, I could have learned a lot differently, okay? But I'm not here to talk about education, but the next time you're, you're faced with the desire to sin, you need to tell your soul, soul, I know what you're thinking, and it's not really what you need, but what you really need is Jesus. See, God says, come to me, and I will give you fullness of joy. How many of you want joy? The Bible says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. See, I will satisfy your heart, your soul, your mind with my glory. That's the first and great command. When you understand that God is the foundation of your joy, the way you love others is forever changed. What do you mean? Our quest is for our happiness and the happiness of others is now a quest for God. See, if I don't have a quest for God, I can never find self-love, and I can never find what it really means to love someone else. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all learning anything yet? You see, so when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, this is what he's saying. If you want to enjoy more of God's compassion, then seek to show others more of God's compassion. It's kind of like the Good Samaritan. You know the story of the guy, you know, that passed by the priest, and I don't want to get into all the story, but how the one Good Samaritan just passed by, and he saw the guy, picked him up, poured oil on his wound, took him to the Holiday Inn, and brought him in and said, look, here's my, here's my American, my Jerusalem Express, and, and you put it, anything he needs, you put it on my card, and when I come back, I'm going to get my card, and you don't worry about it. And Jesus said, who was his neighbor? And they said, the one that showed compassion. See, God never, God doesn't look like man looks at things. Are you hearing me? God, the Bible says God's not a respecter of persons. I've met some of the most generous people that don't have much. And I've met some of the greediest people that have everything that they think that they need. But I've also seen people that have everything that are very generous. And I've seen people that, are, that have nothing and they're very greedy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, if you want more of God's wisdom, you have to seek more of God's wisdom. You have to share, learn to share the wisdom of God to others. If you want to see more of God's saving grace, then, then extend the grace into the lives of others as God extended grace to you. See, if you want to enjoy the riches of God's personal friendship, then be a friend to the lonely. You know, years ago, I was driving my truck back from work and there was a guy walking down the Interstate 10, and he had a sling on his arm, and he had a limp, and he had a crutch. 
And he was just literally walking down I-10. And the Lord spoke to me and said, pick him up. So I pulled over. And he, I, mean, he, I said, bro, what happened? And he started telling me a story out. Someone had taken advantage of him, got his car. He was an older guy. And he was getting out of the VA. And he, had, he was actually trying to get to Kentucky. And he was walking. And so I remember calling my wife. And I go, Tracy, look, I'm bringing someone over. And you think there's any, we have any extra food? And my, you got to know mama. She's like, yeah, come on. She, I didn't tell her everything. And so we get home. And he kind of smelled. And I remember saying, hey, why don't you, why don't you go jump in the shower? And we started finding some clothes that they'd fit him. And so we got some clothes. Hey, here's some clothes. And you can spend the night. We got an extra little room. And you can spend the night there with us. But you got to eat dinner with us. And Zach and Andrew were probably seven and five or five, seven and six. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, Andrew. And he came. And, and, and my kids were just, we just ate dinner. We had a regular family dinner. We just started, we was just ourselves. And we started talking to him. And then we began to find out a story. And, and, and just, it's just a sad story. And I remember we just kept loving him. And then when my kids, we put our kids to bed, I went and tucked the boys in, came back, and he began to weep. He said, I've heard people tell me about Jesus before, but I've never seen his love like this. And I remember my wife and I led him in a sinner's prayer. We prayed God would touch him. And I remember driving to the truck stop. He said, I'll get a ride, Baba. And pray, don't bring me and stuff. And, and I remember right before he got out, he said, hey, man. He said, this is the only thing I have. To give him something how grateful I am that I met the Lord. And what you guys did, I'll call you when I get to my destination. But the only thing that I have about you, and he gave me a pen. It was like a gold pen, like a, like a cross pen. But you just don't realize I had that pen for years. I don't know where it is. I have, I'm a junk collector. I'm a hoarder in my drawer. So <laughs> but that pen meant more to me. It was like, it wasn't about me. It was about this guy I saw the love of Jesus. Not just in me, but in my family. Because see, here's, here's the thing. When you take Jesus out of the family, what's wrong with our America? What's wrong with our country? We've taken him out of the family. And if you can't take anybody in your family, if you can't see Jesus in your family, then can I just tell you something? You need to invite him back. You need to have a personal family repentance moment and say, God, we haven't allowed you in this place. How can we reach people around us if you don't even live here? I invite you back. All right, y'all let me go on. Loving God sustains us through all the joy and the pain of what loving our neighbor should be. When, when the sacrifice is great, we remember that, it, that it's his grace is sufficient. See, when you are distracted by the world and your hearts are given away to remember that God alone can satisfy, you know, we've got to come to that point and say, God, help me to get focused back. Help me. See, we must do everything in our power through all the possible varieties or the circumstances your neighbor, which, which you would wish they would do for you. See, in other words, whatever 
whatever you do, whatever you're serving on, you need to do what you wish your neighbor would do for you. That's what he's really saying. Just love them. Be with them. Help them. Matthew, let me just go on here. I'm going to skip, come down to the end. Matthew 5, verse, verse 44 through verse 45. You have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I mean, it's kind of natural that you just want to avenge yourself when you've been hurt or wounded or misunderstood. How many feel like you just want to defend yourself? Come on, let's be, come on. The rest of it, how many, okay, let me ask you. How many ever lied in here? How many never lied? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> All right, okay. I just want to make sure y'all are truthful church. I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as the preacher that goes to the lying church. Much less do you want to have a lying pastor, amen? And so, it says, it says, and so he says, love your neighbors, and this is the wild thing, and pray for those. What? Pray for those that persecute so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. I tell you, that, here's the secret. If you pray for your enemies, for the people who bug you the most, I mean, you know that God divinely assigns some people that work with you that drive you crazy. It brings out the devil, I mean the Lord in you. God's even giving you some children. It's his assignment that make you want to just go, ah! I mean, they're the children that bring out the devil in you when you're at the Walmart line about to check out. And why can I get them out? Ah! You manifest devils, you know what I'm saying? God, there's so many men. God put them in your life. You see, in other words, it's that in order to, you, you will experience power in your life and the ability to love them when you learn to pray for them. What do you mean, Pastor? But why? See, when you pray for your enemies, it does two things. Two things happen. Can I tell you what happens? The first thing, it changes you. And the second thing, it changes them. I'll give you an example real quick. I was working, me and Pastor Jacob working, they had this guy that used to work with us. And he was lying about Pastor Jacob and he's sharing some lies about me. And, you know, it's like, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, you read scriptures, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will heap burning coals upon their forehead. I was waiting for the coals to come from heaven. And then I'm reading the scripture like this, and the Lord told me. He said, he said, Baba, don't you defend yourself. I want you to pray for him. And I'm here, okay, Lord, I'll pray. Lord, take him out. <laughs> Bless him and curse him. Lord, just, I'll pray. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? Come on, y'all be real now. This is been playing. There's people playing church all over Sunday this morning. We ain't playing. And I can remember the Lord said, Now I want you to bless, I want you to pray that I bless him. Why God? Can I be honest with you? Can I be real honest with you? I didn't want to. I didn't like him that much. Because he was lying. And I'm like, and I remember just started praying for him. And about two weeks later, I mean, I started like, I'm just, Lord, I pray, I pray, you bless him, all that. And I see him at all places in Toys R Us one day. And he goes, hey, Baba. I go, hey, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you his name. And he goes, how you been? I said, man, I've been doing great. I said, I've been praying for you. He goes, what? I've been praying, God bless you. He goes, oh, guess what? I never heard about another lie he said after that. 
Because you know what God was doing? God was trying to change me. Because guess what? You may run into that person that's hurt you, that's wounded you, that's violated you. The Bible says to pray for those that, that when you've been despitefully used. Pray for them. That's what, hey, listen, don't get mad at me. Those are his words. Jesus, they're red. You see, see, I believe this. Do good to them that hate you. You must love in your speech, in your thoughts, in your deeds. And you give, you know, when they give you bad words, give them bad good words. I'm just telling you, it works. I've seen it happen. Pray for those that persecute. See, that's a radical. Pray for those who hate you. Not only does Jesus say pray for those who persecute you, but he makes a very bold statement. If you want your sons and daughters, if you want, if you want to, if you want to, you want your sons and daughters of the Father, you must, you want your children to be raised up, then you want you, you must learn, the Bible says, to love your enemies. Here's what I've learned. I'm not, God has never called me to criticize people. Are you hearing me? Amen. I did criticize Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I criticized it's something that's not truthful. They've been at my door. They've knocked on my door. Hey, we're with we're, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. Man, I, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I play with them. You are? I witness for Jehovah all the time. <laughs> Mormons come knock on my door. That's another, that's another cult. We're with, Je we're with Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. He said, man, me too. What? I, be I believe in Jesus. He's coming the last day. Anyway, this morning, that's a whole nother. Let me go back to preaching. Let me just wrap it up. First John, and I'm going to be done. First John 4, verse 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God, it's a condition. If, okay, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, to whom he has seen, come on. To see what happens, you know, that means you can, you can see when, when things happen. Instead of, you, you allow what you see to dictate what you do. How you respond. How you act. You see, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this command, this commandment we have for him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Loving my neighbor is not dependent upon loving myself. It's dependent on loving God. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? It's impossible to say we love God if we're not willing to love our neighbor. Let me give you an example, and then I'm, I promise you I'm done. You see, the problem is most, most of us separate um, the two between loving God and loving our neighbor. It's what I like to call, it's called TV, dinner, spirituality. Hold on with me, I'm going somewhere. What do you mean, Pastor? How many of you have ever eaten TV dinners? And when I was single, they were good. But what happens is the TV dinners, you have the you have a Salisbury steak in one little compartment, you have your potatoes in one, you have your peas, and you have your cherry copper in the other. You know what I mean? It's all compartmentized. And so what happens is, you know, it, we separate. And, and that's what we do with our spirituality. Oh, I love God. That's what I love God. I'm, gonna, I'm coming to worship on Sunday night on the 15 year celebration. I'm going to be there to worship. But on Monday morning when you wake up and you start hearing your boss 
little gossip idiot behind his back. Then on Wednesday morning, your neighbor gets up and starts his truck up real early. Vroom! Vroom! Because he loves his pipes. And you curse him. On Friday morning, you know, there's a traffic jam and someone cuts in front of you and you give him the peace symbol. And then you come back Sunday morning. I've been to worship the Lord again. We compartmentize our lives. Hear me out. Thinking that, that how we treat people has nothing to do with our relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus says our walk with God is not a TV dinner. Rather, can I just tell you what it is? Really, if you love God, and you're, eventually you're going to love people, our lives are going to be more like a chicken pot pie. That all the peas, all the chicken, all the potatoes, you're in the pie. It's everything. You're the full package. Are y'all with me this morning? No longer compartmentize the peas, the potatoes, the chicken. We just mix together. Truly, if, if our lives are genuine, it's natural to love people. And I'm going to be done right here. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. Everybody look out there. If you love people, what has to happen is you can't allow anything to get in between your relationship with God and them. And can I just say, I'm not going to insult you and say that I know what you're walking through. Because I don't. I have no idea. I know that some of you have walked through dark moments and hard times in your life. And I'm here to have compassion for you for that. And God wants to have compassion. But see, to say that you can't do certain things because somebody did something or someone said something or they violated you in some way. I remember one of the most powerful things to have a, a lady that was violated when she was a young girl. And her uncle was dying. God told her, you go to the hospital and you go there and you tell him you're forgiving. And she waited. People were visiting and everything else. And she came to the moment and she looked at her uncle after everybody left. She goes, uncle, whatever. I'm just here. And he goes, I know, baby. And before she could say a word, he goes, I'm sorry. You don't know how to torment me. You don't know what it did to me. He says, but no, stop. I'm here to tell you that I forgive you because Jesus forgave me of my stuff and my junk that was in my life. See, I believe the most powerful thing that, that anybody can do is when you, I, I just don't understand. If you know the love of God and God has forgiven you and met you, how can you hold on to things? Hello, you know what the spirit of poverty is? If you hold on to something so tight, you won't let go. And then you wonder why God's not speaking to you. You wonder why God's not moving. You wonder why, where is God? It's because you're holding on to things and God's going, hey, let's make the big exchange. You cast your cares, your wounds, your burdens, and give them to me, and I'll take them. And I'll light the load, and you will be free. What does that mean to be free? The Bible says the truth will set you free. Jesus came and said, here's the truth. Guys, you want the greatest command? Love 
God with all your heart for soul, mind, and strength. And when you do that, it's going to be so much easier to love that nagging neighbor, to love that neighbor that drives you crazy. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. God loves you. We love you. And our greatest desires is pastors. I see you walk in the freedom and the power and the grace of the mighty God. And then you can walk out these doors different than you came in. Because what happened is, all of a sudden, you experienced God by His Holy Spirit spoke to you. And He began to whisper to you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, God brings those memories, those moments. Why? Because He didn't want us to carry them anymore. We, we, we walk out of places, oh, I guess I'm just going to carry this thing again. Today's the day that you go, here it is, God. I give it to you. Just cast them on him. Because the Bible says, because he cares for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and focus.